it's happening. Uh, Actual recording is higher quality is the notification I'm getting. All right. Well, that's comforting. Why don't I lock all this? All the this podcast yeah, is better right. than it sounds right now. Um, that's that's what I'm looking I for. Hope so. Lord have mercy. <sighs> we'll see. Uh, we will see. Well, it's uh, I, good to yeah. It's good to good to see you, John. Uh, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> what's what's going on? Ah, uh, ah, uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, things are going well. I got myself a little summer water here. It is. It looks like just like the dirtiest. Yeah, is that is that like a way, a new cool right way now? of saying bath water? <laughs> this is. It's not a. It's not a cockroach. It's a palmetto bug. It's not bath water. This is summer yeah. water. Yeah, it's cute. Um, not this is a, a rosé and distilled uh, I was from radiator drippings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just that that light pink hue uh, of of coolant. And now this is this is a rosé. This is the the tail end of a bottle of a of rosé. I've I've gone to wine. I've I've swapped over to wine. I think mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. and I'm like uh, in the in the fall months. Yes. I'm now drinking summer wines, <laughs> so um, mm, right on time, baby. Naturally, I was just uh, having a little—I was having a little sparkling rosé myself, and have now switched over to mm. a uh, Voodoo Ranger IPA, which is quite lovely. Voodoo Ranger, hello, sir. Yeah, ah, that's uh, that's what I've—I've I've been drinking quite frequently. That's that's one of my favorites, mm-hmm. but recently. I've swapped over to 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 wine, and I guess liquor. It's bad that I'm like I'm gonna switch over the poison that I put in my body, and that's gonna be better somehow for me. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm switching from you know emotional trauma to blunt force trauma. That's you know just yes. trying all the things. Yeah. Um, all right, so whatever what, whatever trauma doesn't give me diarrhea is uh, is the, the idea. <laughs> whatever <laughs> trauma doesn't give you trauma, <laughs> yes. trauma chain yes, reaction. Yes, that sounds... uh, oh God, the old trauma train. All right, well we're off to a good start. Uh, should we? Yeah, this is a great. Should start. we? Should we make this a mm. podcast? Oh, I'm making it a podcast. You see me lowering the lights and making it all <laughs> podcasty. Welcome to the F1 files. We're we're doing we're doing our podcast, John. We're 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 here. We're drinking and talking about Formula One. Um, a little weekly catch up. Which um, I'm happy to do with you, bud. Uh, yeah, I, this I'm, is this is. We got it. We got how, it how you fully, We should fully introduce this. We should fully introduce it and not just oh, yes. be yeah, thrown yeah, off yeah, by yeah. by this this weird <laughs> new feature uh, feature that we're doing. This weird <laughs> new feature that we're going to be able to do, which is produce a video out of this podcast and uh, absolutely dump all this video content onto social media. But this is this is our Formula One podcast. Uh, I'm Corey Willis. I'm an actor, writer, comedian uh, out here in Los Angeles, California. Uh, what, what's what's your deal? <laughs> what's up? This is John <laughs> Lapore. I'm a creative consultant uh, designing the future for film, technology, 
and automotive. And uh, boy, we've got a lot to talk about uh, coming oh, out of a pretty wild uh, United States Grand Prix held in Austin, Texas at the Circuit of the Americas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just mm-hmm. going to I'm going to kind of just spoil everything uh right yeah. right up front because this 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 race just sort of had had everything. It had uh you know a scenario where maybe Hamilton was going to win his first race of the season. Yeah. It had a key figure of the Red Bull family passing away. Yeah. It had, yeah. It had uh, Alonzo totaling his car and somehow still finishing, what was it, sixth? Yep, still, still managed to finish sixth in a race after going fully airborne in, uh, in the Grand Prix on a straight doing like 130 miles an hour. But normal, normal we, stuff. We had uh, shameless American shenanigans hosted by Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, <laughs> we had uh, Hollywood deal making going on. We yes, had Tim Cook unveiling an all new Apple Cyborg that they've created. Um, to to I, I didn't there. I didn't actually see that uh, I I only heard about it uh, when I when I when I dropped onto social media. So as John, yeah. as you know, I stay I stay off of social media for the most part, uh, or at least anytime something that is F one related scrolls past or starts to scroll up through my feed, I like avert my gaze and like. How do you do that, by the way? Because I've tried to I've tried to like really cautiously scroll through Twitter when I'm like, you know, in a car driving back to the place where I'll be able to play back my recording of the race or mm-hmm. whatnot. And like, I do this thing where I try to like really slowly tease out, like what's the, you know, first line of the tweet. Does it seem like it has? And then like my muscle memory kicks in and then I'm just scrolling through. And then I uh, like inevitably just like see like a, a photograph of the podium that I'm like, pretend you didn't see that. And then I'm immediately like, nope, that's yeah. burned into my mind. And I now know the exact detailed outcome of the race. How do, how do you, how do you keep yourself unsullied when you're uh, trying to catch up on a time delayed race? I think it's impossible. Uh, I, I can't do it. Uh, I, I, I tend to quite literally take my phone and I'll like scroll and put my hand over my phone. So uh, pe- people who, ca- who, who, who can't see this, uh, I'm just putting my hand over my phone and like peeking through this part of my, my hand just so I can see the tiny I'm little give corner. You, I'm going to give you a tip. I'm going to give you a tip. Corey. Yeah. And this yes. one comes straight from Sarah Lapore, who I was uh, spending spending some time with this weekend. Uh, my my mother, who was like you know, as we were growing up, was almost a co mother uh, to to you as, as your mother was to me. And uh, you uh, you probably witnessed this firsthand, but Sarah Lapore knows that if your eyes need to ever be averted from anything that's happening on a on a television screen particularly when whatever video that you had rented from Blockbuster Video that night has copious amounts of nudity appearing in it. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you hold a dish towel in front of the the screen. Excellent. And that Excellent. that protects that protects you, but it also, you know, because you you never know when the nudity is going to appear, so it appears on the screen and then the dish towel goes up. The dish towel is the only device that will actually erase the previous content that you had already seen from <laughs> yes. your memory. The dish Magically. towel actually because because it's a tool for cleaning it cleans mm-hmm. that that damaging uh, experience. Scrubs, uh, yeah. from, scrubs, from, yes. scrubs your site. <laughs> scrubs, yeah, scrubs your site. Um, yes. Uh, oh god. So actually, while while we were just talking, I pulled up uh, the race dot com and saw the banner uh, article is Alonzo loses points finish after Haas protest. Uh, so. It looks like Alonzo oh. has, yeah. Uh, so it looks like Alonzo didn't finish sixth after all. Um, yeah. Bummer. So that that kind of sucks. We'll we'll suss that out and and try and figure out exactly what this was uh, at some point during during the podcast as uh, I distractedly look away. And John will also do the same thing at the same time. Uh, bet, so well, let's let's just let's just let's just. There's start so much there. to talk let's about. Start, yeah, yeah. Let's start yeah. there. We can go okay. all yeah. ragged out of order and whatnot. Um, I I don't care if Alonzo loses his points finish. That man mm-hmm. is a legend, and whoever engineered that Alpine car in a way where it yeah. was so he. <sighs> had a savage high-speed collision with Lance Stroll's uh, Aston Martin that was uh, front-wheel-to-rear-wheel contact, which you don't... It it happens very rarely that you see this, but when those two sticky tires connect with each other, it's yeah. a recipe for one car to get absolutely launched over another. And, yeah. and it it did. It went up into the air, basically uh, hovering in the air, completely off the ground, starting to sail yeah. because the air hits the aerodynamic floor on the underside of the car, lifting it upwards in the air. It was like and a it piece careened of with, It was so wild yeah. to see. the sti- and like, like a piece of like... Like not like normal like you know a writing paper or legal paper, but like really thick cardstock, like almost like poster board caught in the wind, where the whole thing mm-hmm. like there was no flex to it, just the car just like lifted up in the air, uh, as if someone had like yanked on a string, uh, and pulled the car back. Uh, it it was so such a violent thing to watch happen and then to see the impact when he came back down. But that was, that was bananas. Um, What, what were, what were you saying, Johnny? I mean, he's, he's sailing through the air with no control over the vehicle. And when it finally is touching down on the ground, it's going straight into a barrier and it was doing it like a handful of meters past a exit lane that was open, which uh, would have had a more, uh, I guess, like parallel surface to the momentum of the car and would have made for a significantly more violent impact. But he collided with the wall, 
in what I would have fully expected if the car was not already totaled from the incident that sent it upwards flying in the air. Yeah. The collision that it had with the wall would have certainly. And the car was fine. Like somehow it had like a the, puncture, he, had a rear puncture, had I a, think. was had, like, a, had a puncture. Yeah. Uh, nose um, damage went in. Yeah. And yep. and then after that, the extent of the damage was that his uh, his mirror was wobbling. The I believe yep. it was the driver's right side. So mirror. that is, and that that's that's what Haas is complaining about. Was the it looks the like mirror the was dangling? Yep. I mean, yep. listen, I get it. Like if you get hit in the face with a mirror with a carbon fiber mirror while traveling at. 150 miles per hour it's not gonna feel great yeah yeah that's that's uh extremely dangerous and even there was some playback during the incident where uh where alonzo hit his future teammate uh stroll which uh, just to rewind real quick it looked like stroll moved just a little bit extra uh to cause that it it, it did kind of look not to, not to I don't want to like blame I'm glad they're both okay but it did kind of look like Stroll should have let Alonzo go at that point he was beat and there there was just some something something else was was happening there uh so that happens uh but during that crash there was like debris everywhere that got thrown up on that yeah. back straight and there's an onboard angle of Lando Norris and there's like carbon fiber that just like shatters across his halo. Uh, so mm-hmm. there, there was just there. It, there's serious damage that could happen to someone from like a shard, but a, an entire oh, mirror yes. assembly. I mean, yeah. oh, that's like a, a missile coming into the cockpit. So I can see why Haas was. was yeah, and we've up. seen we've seen almost the worst possible version of this before, which was uh, years back, probably a decade ago. Felipe Massa getting mm-hmm. hit in the face in the helmet with a spring that had come off of Rubens Barrichello's car that temporarily knocked him unconscious while driving yeah. the car at full speed. Like, yeah, wild, wild. Shit. So yeah, like that he, was crazy. Does he not uh, have a memory of like what happened? He does. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't know what happened. He like woke up like fifty feet before hitting the wall, then hit the brakes. Uh, and supposedly was like fighting the medical personnel who were getting him out of the car because he was just like, what the f*** is reality right now? I don't understand. And like supposedly like took a swing at one of the marshals, like was, was, was very, very disoriented and quite upset as he has every right to be. Um, so, uh, you know, and and similarly, uh, again, I can't give enough props to Fernando Alonso, oldest driver on the grid, mm-hmm. uh, takes flight, goes into like orbit, goes into zero gravity, touches back down, has a massive collision, and just keeps driving. Like there was a radio uh, call to him that was like, you know, Alonzo, are you all right? And I couldn't even understand what he had responded with, but it sounded like it was like a very like similar sort of like what what ju- what just happened? Yeah. What is going on? 
Yeah. Uh, somehow I've landed back on the on the ground, but my 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 racing shoes are on opposite feet now. And, exactly. Uh, what, I went back in the brief in the brief time when when that happened, and the safety car came out. Which uh, two two safety cars at at mm-hmm. the Circuit of the Americas, which hasn't happened in like over a decade. Uh, as as was, Martin Brundle stated, a safety car that caused a safety car. It's true. Uh, it was that that chaos, and just also Crofty was like, "Oh, this was so great to watch the field reset." And like as soon as he said that, uh, or maybe it was Ted Kravitz who said it, but someone was saying it right as the accident happened. Uh, like, mm-hmm. "Oh, it was so cool to see this things getting like shaken up a little bit." And not that cool. Not did not need to see that. Did not want to see that. Uh, that that's that stinks. Uh, but that ultimately is what caused that mirror to come loose because that's the only real damage that happened to that car was its mirror came loose uh, after being thrown up in the air and slamming back down and hitting the barrier. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, a little damage to the nose and you know mirror fell off. Uh, but that cost him a 10-second stop-and-go penalty, which ultimately is a 30-second, uh, I guess, like a 30-second uh, time penalty uh, in the race. So that's what dropped him all the way out of the points. Uh, so it wasn't just like a penalty that dropped him a couple of places. It like shot him all the way back. Uh, I don't even know where he ended up finishing. But that sucks. That definitely sucks. Um but yeah, just a ton of ton of action in this race. Yeah. Wild, uh, wild stuff. What else? What what were some of the other big big moments that caught your attention? Uh well, I knew there were there first of all, when you sent me that text uh earlier today, I was like, Oh, something something is happening and I'm very excited and I can't wait to watch the race. And this this text was just in parentheses the word hyperventilating hyperventilating and i was like oh my god i was on my way back from teaching a class and was going to like stop off and uh, there's a nice little place in the neighborhood that uh is between myself and the place that i teach and i was gonna walk my fat ass over to lemonade and get a nice sandwich and a salad and as soon as i saw that text i was like I need to hustle home, and I ended up uh, slamming cold pizza uh, instead of eating <laughs> <laughs> eating that uh, healthy lunch. I just had cold slices of pizza and a bottle of rosé. Uh, so, uh, but that 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 yeah, it was if that, that that's exactly that, what everyone in Austin was eating as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, there was a moment where on like the I think the formation lap, Pierre Gasly was like. It smells like barbecue in the car, <laughs> which was uh, very, very funny because uh, there was awesome. so much barbecue happening. Uh, before the, the race, there was a, a pre-show uh, interview with Hamilton and Lawrence Barreto that, that it just caught my attention. Uh, Lewis was saying, everyone is so excited about going to Austin. That, that that venue is so fun to be at, and the Grand Prix is mm-hmm. so fascinating and so interesting. And I agree. It is a really fascinating weekend, and the drivers kind of have a time to go and party and stuff. But Lewis was called out for staying super late at the track, and Lawrence was like, so why do you stay so late at the track? And he's like, "That's it's the quietest time. I'm only here for four days. I ha- I'm here to work. 
uh, I'm I'm here to do a job, and I'm just here to put in some work, and that's that's what I'm here to do. Uh, dinners and all that yakking and yipping and yapping, that's just a distraction, and it distracts me from the work that I'm here to do. Uh, and I thought that that was such a... I love that mentality because he... Mm-hmm. all There have been all these, like, is he going to retire? Is, like, he you know, when he disappeared from social media after Abu Dhabi, what's going to happen to him? Is, like, he done with Formula One? He stopped following all these people uh, on his accounts and kind of like turned inward. And all these analysts were like, is he going to quit? Is he going to, is he done? Is he washed up? Is he lost his love for the race? And meanwhile, he goes to like the one venue that every other driver is like, I love this place. I go out and have barbecue and dinners and like listen to the music and like ride horses and race, you know, like cars out in the desert and shoot guns. And Lewis is like, I stay late at the track um, and I skip dinner. I'm here to do a job. Uh, yeah, this place is great. Uh, and watching him rip around that track during free practice and then during qualifying, there were some moments where it was like, whoa, that is it. That's scary to watch the cars being thrown around like that. That uh, track is wild. That track is oh. absolutely wild. And I, I, you know, having been there in person, I will say. Mm-hmm. It has of of all the tracks, it maybe does the best job of actually holding up on television. Uh, close to it's never as good as being right there in person, mm-hmm. but it yeah. on television on the broadcast when you see these cars hammering through those S's through the snake that comes after that first hairpin corner up the yeah. hill. The speed that they carry through there, like 150 miles per hour plus through there, it is, it's a sight to behold. It looks unnatural. And it's, it's, you know, to me, it's a spectacular thing to see, uh, whether you're there in person or, or on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I have also, also my... just, just, just noticeably, one thing I got to call out yeah, yeah. was I, I feel bad for the camera helicopter pilot who is orbiting around the track and then every so often has the world's largest American flag just obscure the entire frame of the shot as he's trying to follow this action. All of a sudden he's like, oh, Jesus, I forgot this flag was here. (laughs) And then gets to the other side of the track and there's the the world's largest (laughs) Texas state flag flying there. God, I love it. There was, uh, during during the broadcast, I think Crofty was like, we are responding to the the several several tweets that we've uh, we've gotten. Uh, yes, those flags are real. They're not CGI. Those flags are actually large and real. <laughs> and it's just such again. This was such a spectacle of uh, a race weekend, and I think it it paid off. It, it absolutely paid yeah. off. Um, uh, Mercedes brought some updates that th- this felt like. It feels like Mercedes is right there. Obviously, they yeah. on merit were on the podium. It wasn't about retirements or anything like that. Well, I mean, you know, George well, whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, but <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, but uh, th- there was there's there was a moment 
earlier in the weekend where they went through the updates and the tech analysis, and Mercedes brought a wing that they didn't even run. That they didn't even run this weekend, which is just this like very typical old school Mercedes thing of just being like, "Hey, we can. We had some ideas. This is what we're gonna do. It flirts with legality. We're gonna do it." Just so you know. And then everyone's like, oh, oh my God, uh, let me, my panties, I have to like smooth them out. They're so bunched up and, uh, uh. uh and then, then they don't even run the wing at the race. Like it was such a Mercedes move. And then they brought a bunch of other, uh, other upgrades that were, I believe at the rear, uh, like the rear part of the diffuser and also along the, the floor edge that. They were like, yeah, these are for 2023 because the floor needs to be raised higher. Uh, Alfa Romeo, I believe, did the same thing with some updates uh, to raise it by like 23 millimeters or something like that. Something seemingly tiny, but clearly it's like miles of difference uh, in aerodynamic um, capabilities. But they brought updates that they were like, "Hmm, they're not even really that great. And then they ended up doing really really well uh all weekend long uh even when george wasn't doing that well with the car he was still driving it pretty beautifully and lewis was also like uh yeah this car was so hard to drive this weekend <laughs> it was like dude you destroyed it you crushed it that you mm-hmm. that was a hard thing to drive for you because it looked like you were a ballerina that that did not look hard you made yeah. it look pretty effortless terrifying at times but effortless um what uh what stuck out what were some like big things that stuck out uh earlier in the weekend or even so i mean you know carlos uh getting pole position was spectacular was really excited about that was really enthusiastic about that and then of course gutted that in front of uh my my parents and my children that my entire immediate family tree had to watch me scream, Carlito, Carlito no! no! <laughs> at, the, at the literally the very first corner. And so I haven't actually gone back and like scoured oh. the video of it, but based on what I saw in some of the immediate replays, so, you know, Max gets a good jump on yeah. on Carlos and really I don't know jump. if that was based to reaction time or just based on that Red Bull just being an absolute beast but pulls ahead going into that uphill super sharp corner and he he is all the way ahead of Carlos Carlos is looking like he's you know because Max is now taking the defensive corner into into that turn, like the defensive line. Carlos is looking like he's trying to do the smart thing and take the slightly more relaxed line, which we saw his teammate, Charles Leclerc, do to beautiful precision uh, not much later in the race. Yeah. Uh, he is got George Russell and Lewis Hamilton who look like they are in a drag-out battle with each other. Yeah, yeah, I was worried about that. And as this is all unfolding, what it looked like to me was that 
Carlos did a little twitch to avoid Max because Max overslowed the car in that corner. Yeah. And Carlos did a little twitch to the side, but George Russell was not nearly as quick to anticipate that or adjust for that and spun him right around while apparently also, and it was hard to even see in the, in the feed. Apparently he actually T-boned him. Yeah. A little yeah. Bit. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what I saw. I saw him and I went back and watched it. Not like a bunch of times, but went back and looked at uh, the onboard from George and he just, he did just T-bone him. Uh, there, there was definitely, uh, you know, uh, Carlos, it looked like Carlos may have gotten a little loose right at the apex uh, and yeah. like drifted a little wide. But then it looks like it. W- I don't think George would have been able to place his car anyway. If Carlos hadn't spun at all, he still would have T-boned him like George just wasn't. George was like taking the corner wide and Carlos was like already like kind of losing it at the apex. So even if Carlos was straight, like straight up taking George's line, like George would have been on top of him. So he was taking the exact opposite line through the corner that he was then going to like swoop wide uh, on like the run out of the turn and Carlos would have like cut it close, but there was no, I don't know. George, I think I think this was a classic like George just being George and not even for a moment realizing that other people are also going to attempt to be on the racing line at the same part of the track as him. Like almost like how dare you be on my track? It's like George, th- buddy, you're all trying to win the same race. <laughs> they're they're just as fast. There's as some I right feel there. like so like George Russell has, I don't know how to describe it. He has like this, he has presented himself as, you know, a young up and comer who's also, you know, very earnest and, you know, a a young go-getter and someone who's eager to please and perform well. He's and like I feel president like of the drivers association, like he's, he's president like, of the drivers association yeah. and whatnot. And I feel like I feel like we need to we need to talk about George. Like we need to we need to call his parents so in for a meeting. We need to you know get the maybe the superintendent involved. We need to have a sit down and talk about George. What's going on? You know, buddy. Seems yeah. like seems like your whole thing is a sham. Seems like you might be the scummiest driver on the entire grid. (laughs) What's going on here, George? What's up? Your your media training, uh, it's 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 (laughs) as if it's as if your media training has tricked us all into thinking that you're also like a very polite and aware driver, but you're not. You're just overly ambitious. You're running everybody off the track in the worst ways possible. Yeah. You know, and then, and then like clockwork immediately, like calling out, like, geez, what was that guy thinking? (laughs) Uh, So, 
Yeah, you're literally calling someone out for the your exact behavior. Um, I saw yeah. I saw a uh-huh. clip of the cool down room, and I can't verify that this is authentic. This could be people running with I, the memes, but I'm pretty sure this was uh, what it was. I saw and the, clip. the transcript I saw the clip. of it yep. was Charles Leclerc and Lewis in the cool down room, and uh, Charles mm-hmm. turns to Lewis saying, "You know, hey, I started." like in the middle of the pact i wasn't i wasn't yeah. near the front he says what happened to carlos what happened to my teammate and 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 yeah. lewis's response is uh uh mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. george took him out yep that, and that's <laughs> this exactly is, this is this is george's teammate saying 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 yeah george george just took him out yeah he uh he took him out. Um, there was no that, that wasn't like taken out of context. That was just Charles was like, "Hey, what happened to my teammate? You were right there." And then Lewis was like, "How do I be diplomatic about this?" Mm. You know what? I'm not going to be diplomatic about it. I'm just going to tell you what I saw. George took him out. It was just I, there, he saw exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, George T-boned Carlos. George tried to somehow like overtake a car and phase his car through another car so that they could exist in the same place at the same time which i mean even me who didn't even get into physics in high school because i wasn't smart enough like i know that that's against the laws of physics you can't have two solid things occupying the same space at the same time it's just not possible uh yeah it was it was a weird a very weird first lap, chaotic first lap. Uh, but a lot that, of other and 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 all the way down the field, yeah. a lot of action, a yeah. lot of like wheel banging going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Lance Stroll to... was third at, yeah. at, at like yeah. he ended up th- like he was right behind Lewis for yep. a bunch of that race. Uh, Vettel mm-hmm. was right behind him watching the. We overhead. had a moment where Vettel was leading the race. And, like, honestly leading the race. It wasn't some weird, like, oh, he was a pit stop down or whatever. Like, he was on the same, like, pit stop, not same pit stop strategy, but he was on the same tire rotation as everybody else. And he was fighting for that position. And Lewis wasn't able to overtake him until he had DRS. And that was, so that, I loved to see that. Uh, Seb loved to see that. Like after, I mean, we saw, we saw, race. yeah, we saw Seb uh, race for the second race in a row. Mm-hmm. Do almost like a photo finish across the, you know, the the start finish line, um, yeah. dragging it all the way out. That was spectacular. Yeah, with with Kevin Magnuson, who they they yeah. tossed out a stat, uh, I think, right at the start of the race that uh, Magnuson has more overtakes than anybody else this season, which mm. is a good and a bad stat. Uh, you, know, you know, it's a bad stat because it means that you're starting from, like, the back of the pack or else you wouldn't be overtaking cars, right? But the fact that you are in equipment that starts at the back of the pack, there are several other teams back there and several other drivers, and they're nowhere near you as far as, like, overtakes. Um are you suggesting Nick, that Kevin Magnuson is the absolute best at passing the Mac in the back of the pack? Yeah, yeah, there is a Mac in the back of the pack. Uh, that that is that is happening. 
<laughs> he is he is absolutely in the back in the back. Um, pa- pass right, in the uh, back in the back in the back. He's a, shout out he's to the most pa- big most shout, shout out to Big Punisher, Capital big Punishment. Punisher. Yeah. He's, oh god. Uh so that that um that also leads me to another highlight was watching Mick Schumacher really bust his hump mm-hmm. in this race. He was really yeah. on it and was really, really genuine in his efforts, and he wasn't too greedy. He wasn't too daring in his attempts, uh, but he was aggressive. Got humbled during qualifying, doing a full 360 at the at the yeah. top of the straightaway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which sucks because it's very that's embarrassing. Um, but why? I mean, I've never been to that circuit. That is such a beautiful like. I love that camera angle down. The, yeah. the start finish straight spectacular yeah that's so cool uh watching them especially as the sun gets lower in the sky and like the track starts to go from that like grayish black to like the orangish gray uh it's just mm-hmm. it's beautiful uh i'm i'm looking forward to going to this race eventually uh i would love to i would love to do that um but uh early on Verstappen was su- like over the course of like three separate instances in the race, Verstappen was like really, really squawking about the wind and the gustiness and how difficult yeah. the car was to control out there. Uh, and I mean, he he really is. He's one of the best. The fact that he can control that car, which is already hard to control, and it's very twitchy in windy conditions, even though it d- the the aerodynamics are different this year than they have been in past generations. So there's not, it's not, these cars are not as vulnerable to the gusts of wind because of those tunnels underneath the car. Uh, that's, that's what creates the suction versus like the downforce pressure or whatever from those wings and winglets. Uh, but the fact that he can control that car in those conditions, very impressive, very, very impressive. Uh, but he was complaining about it constantly. <laughs> he, he complained about it at least three times on like the the FIA broadcast uh, and the F1 broadcast. But it was it was like, wow, if he's complaining about it that much, then there's a problem. Like, there's definitely an issue. Um, he had a couple of complaints in there. Uh, oh, uh, I mean, as a Hamilton fan, it was so nice to hear Hamilton light up the radio when he started to lead the grand prix and was like oh i might win this like he was just like feed me all the data i want to know all of the data i want to know everyone is behind me where are they coming from are they going to cause me a challenge are they going to be challenging each other which could then cause like a mess eventually who's who's fighting who and where um yet the setup that i have i have the my little little earbud in listening to his radio and watching his his uh his driver cam uh as one of my screens and just listening to him like he was pretty quiet otherwise just getting every once in a while getting updates on the people around him and saying what's what with strategy and figuring out like pit stops but as soon as he led the grand prix he was like where where is everybody what are they doing and they were just constantly feeding him info and it just it felt like the days of old and it felt really really nice i was very excited i thought he was gonna win it i really did 
Um, I thought there was a chance. So uh, let's let's talk about that for a little yeah. bit as we were getting into the third act of the race. Hamilton was set up mm-hmm. to be in the lead, and Verstappen got hobbled by yeah. a pit stop Ooh. where I guess they just had a bad gun on the front left tire. Um, That's what it looked the, like. It, it, yeah. it took them a little bit to get the tire off, and then it took them a lot more time to get the second tire on and had to switch to a second gun. Yeah, and yeah. that that made it an unusually long pit stop, and it seems like boom, that was it. Verstappen's now fallen back through the pack. Now there was that, and I thought, well, all right, we've seen Verstappen carve his way up through the pack, but I yeah. also was looking at the tire strategy, and Hamilton was on the hard tire, yeah. Verstappen was on the medium tire with a significant number of laps left to go. It was like 20-odd laps at that point. And I thought, Mm -hmm. well, that tire's not going to make it for Max. It's going to wear down. Um, And was watching very closely as Charles Leclerc and Max were battling. Terrific battle. Fun to see them go at it. That was great. Yeah, watching that Um, classic... The old switcheroo, pulling the switcheroo mm-hmm. at turn one. Like, you're not going to – it was just majestic to watch that. That uh, that reminded that me of so those cool. first few races of the season where we would see Hothead Max and yeah. ice-cold Chucky LeClaire just, yep. you know, taking, a, taking the, the chill decision at every time, and that was a perfect example of that. But yeah. eventually, Max got past him, and, and – and Charles stayed with him for a little bit, and then it looked like to me that his tires fell off. Yeah. Because he was holding with him, and then his tires fell off. And I just thought, like, that's it. That means it's only a matter of laps, like a few more laps, and then Max's tires are going to fall off. And yeah. it just didn't happen. No. It just didn't happen. And, and, I, and I have to imagine that Max was carefully – you know, both coached by his team and, you know, knowingly himself, preserving his tires, holding it back. Yeah. Whooping Charles Leclerc's ass while still driving at eight tenths. Yeah. Yeah. And Ugh. he made his way up to, to Lewis and they 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 battled a little bit. It was fun to see that. Um Yes. And I was really excited that Lewis stuck with him, but you could tell it just wasn't just wasn't gonna stick. And Max Max walked away from him. And I think for me it's just another sort of, you know, demoralizing uh punch to my rib cage of like Max Verstappen yeah. uh won this race even with his hand tied behind his back and with, you know this awful pit stop and all these other factors working against him. Yeah. Like he, not that he started in the worst possible place, but he did not start. uh, He did not start um, on pole position. And that is where he's strongest from. That's where most racers are strongest from, but that is where Max is like statistically, he's just dominant from that position. Uh, He Mm -hmm. can prove he, Prove that he can come from wherever in the field. Uh, and that's usually him being hungry from the start. So, like, we rarely see Max 
have these defeating or like these moments, these setbacks as the race is concluding or later on, like in like the second half of the race, I feel like, and I don't have, uh, I, I don't really have anything to back this up other than his like much younger career. But I feel like when he has something happen like it did today, before last year, before he became world champion, before he like entered this like extremely comfortable zen condition that he's in right now driving, I think something like that pit stop would have maybe ruined that race and prevented him from coming back and winning the race. But I think that he's at another level at this point in his career where he's like, those setbacks don't bother me. I mean, we this is what we see time and time again with Lewis is Lewis does not allow a setback to damage his race. Uh, we've even, we've seen it in the qualifying. We've watched Ferrari out qualify Red Bull time and time again. And as the season's gone on, they've gotten more and more comfortable being like, you know what? It's fine. They can out qualify us. We know we have a better car in the race and we're just going to put our tools to use in the perfect situation. They put their tool mm -hmm. to use in their perfect situation. It just so happens that like the situation that we're perfectly engineered for actually matters at the end of the race, right? Uh, at the end of the day, at the end of the season, they are the ones who keep winning. I mean, Max won 13 races this year. He's won 13 yep. races. Um, I also did, I, I heard a statistic where based on how many races and how many races he won, he's still not at the level of Schumacher, which is fine. No one well, needs ba to Based be. on percentage of, yeah, but, but yeah. He, he is, but he is basically about, he is right now current with, uh, that's the most that's ever been won is 13 races. Now 13 we have more races, races this we have significantly more races this season and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's no question. This guy's going to trample through the record books yeah. and leave a leave a serious mark on the sport. And I, I keep I just keep coming back to this unbelievably foreboding decision yeah. that was made preseason, which was that he signed, a, you know, a six or seven year contract yeah. with Red Bull. With that's Red absurd. Bull to take him to that's that would like be such. That would be the most foolish move in the world, unless you had reason to believe that Red Bull were set up for tremendous, yeah, re repetition of incredible success. Like had a cheat code that would allow them to defeat the rest of the field. Um, well, all right, Johnny. so let me let me well, take let, let's, well, Johnny. Se little segue there, little segue there. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, so so I, I, you know, no new real cost cap news, right? No, um, no, on this cost no, cap controversy, but worth noting that uh, what appeared to be happening at the United States Grand Prix was that there was a lot of heckling of yeah. Red Bull in various different circumstances yeah. around them, uh, basically fans, like openly, and maybe this is an American thing, maybe this is just the cost cap stuff is riling everybody up at this point, 
but uh, I know they they hold a fan forum after maybe after practice, and they bring the drivers out on a huge stage at an amphitheater that's nestled into yeah. one of the corners of the track, and there was fans standing there chanting "cheater, cheater." I heard that there were people in the paddock club leaning over the balconies and shouting, you know, you know, cheaters or thieves or, or whatever at, at the Red Bull team. Um, At a, at Christian Horner and uh, Ben Salomon, like as they were walking up pit lane, that was, uh, people were shouting over the railing uh, at them uh, being like, it's all fixed. You cheaters. Look at them. Look at them conspiring. Like all this, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot, th- and this, uh, this is something that is, hey, F one, you wanted the U.S. market, you get all of the U.S. market. <laughs> welcome, welcome That's... to our existence yep. as, it's like dignified. Uh, we're slovenly idiots, right? Like we absolutely. We're like you know we <laughs> you for for Christ's sake you you definitely put like painter's tape on the back of your Evo when we drove up to our first Grand Prix. So like we're we're not like this like yes oh yeah, we have like is... tea and crumpets fancy pants. We're we're not those fans, but we are also not the fans who are going to yell at drivers. Uh, or at team principals or the president of the governing body uh, that they're cheaters. <laughs> like, we're not that aggressive. But there are a lot of fans who will be that. And I'm sorry, but this is this is the dirty side of American fandom. You're about to see a lot more of this, uh, especially if nothing is done. If nothing is done this is the repercussion right like this is Mm -hmm. like and like i do not want to bring like trump into this at all but this is the whole idea of like hey you know that guy kind of figured out that the thing that matters the most is the court of public opinion and this is what we're going to see with fandom if red bull if they get away with this and aren't like severely penalized and don't have serious hell to pay for cheating they are going to get this at least three times a year at every grand prix that they come to and then they're also going to start to get Mm -hmm. the people who are maybe even worse which are the fans again like john and myself who have traveled outside of the u.s to be fans of formula one like you will get people who are like very rowdy and not living uh, like and not staying in a place where they feel like consequences affect them. And you're going to get like foreign U.S. fans who are just as rowdy as these Dutch fans that Max like has traveling around the world with him. You're going to have people who run into them and that's going to be a bad scene. So F1, mm, you better take some precautions. (laughs) Uh-huh. So so just to clarify what you're what you're also obliquely referring to is when we uh made our trip to the Canadian Grand Prix years mm-hmm. back uh to be good stewards of United States fandom by showing up during uh Sebastian Vettel's dominant years with Red yes. Bull. Uh, yes. 
uh, showing up in my Mitsubishi Evo with with squealing race brakes on it. If you remember, yes, that. yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. already, I mean, already the car is like it's a statement <laughs> of bad taste in every way imaginable. Like um, deliberately and, bad. Yeah, yeah. This is not and, like an accident. And, and, this was a proud. Yeah. And on yeah. and on top of that, we we rode out on the on the trunk of the car in in blue painters tape. Vettel sucks. Um, uh-huh. Just because, like, we were not particularly yeah. fans of Vettel. I don't think we had any no ma- incredible no. malice towards him, but None it was whatsoever. more just we. We just wanted to see some enthusiasm from our fellow fans. We wanted yeah. to get car horns honking, and you know, as we made our way up the up and down the Adirondack Thruway, I remember getting yeah. some good some good responses from other fellow Formula One fans. Um, yeah. this all was, right, so this, is, this was not like a short like, oh, we're going to drive a couple hours north. This was driving yeah, from yeah, no. New York City all the way up. It was like you know what Montreal. six six this hours six, yeah, uh, yeah six six hours um also the car being the car with like tinted windows it's like just the it was it's a it was a hoony it was a very hooned out hoonigan style vehicle before hoonin was uh was was popular here in the u.s yeah it um, was just a lot a lot of bad a lot of bad taste involved i mean wonderful yeah. car is the greatest car in the world but yeah it yes, did yes always yeah it was it was the kind of car that the only time i ever got a compliment on it was when i would have a pizza delivered and the, yes. the pizza delivery boy would be like Yo, is that your Evo out there? Is that and yours? Yeah, I'd be like, I'd be like, yeah, dude. You know, like, yeah. Yep. You have any uh, available shifts? I I would love yeah. to deliver pizzas in my Evo. Um, all right, uh, uh, moving, move, moving, moving on. What what else? Yeah. Uh, what else stood out to you, Corey, from from this uh, this uh, pretty wild race? Well, there was Pierre Gasly getting his. First of all, Pierre is starting to let it show that he is done with Alpha Tauri. Uh he's he's definitely been like a little a little snippy on the radio. Um yes, of course, that car there are problems with it, but just the tone of voice that he uses is it it has made me completely forget about Yuki Sonoda. And like Pierre, that's not a good thing. Like Yuki is just putting in work now at Alpha Tauri and keeping his head down and doing the work and not like snapping at his engineers and mechanics as much. And Pierre seems mm-hmm. to just be like, you know what? I'm not going to have to go to any of your dumbass Christmas parties this year. And I'm just going to be nasty to anyone I want. Uh, and oh, I am not. I don't want to turn this into an anti-French podcast, John, because that's not what this needs to be. (laughs) But again, I think that we're just, there's this thing that no one, no one in the U.S. really understands, which is like the French are such specific kinds of snobs and such specific kinds of like haughty, people uh in within like french racing culture right like Mm -hmm. not all french people i'm not saying like every single french person out there or french racing fans but like the people who make make it to the top 
of motor racing in France tend to like all have the same kind of like very nasty attitudes um uh and that then settle down as they get older like if you look at these yep. like old french men who are in formula one and out of it now they're actually like quite nice but if you look back in their career when they were racing or when they were running teams they were bastards and we're now going to have Pierre Gasly, Esteban Ocon, uh, now <laughs> driving for a French team as two French people from yep. the same town in France. Like, it is like that team is just going to be a cauldron of Frenchness. And it, again, is, like, Al- is Alain Prost involved in that team? He's got to be like a, a special consultant to come in and just be I like, I think, let me show I you how to shave away. your baguette into a, into a shiv. I think this. I think last year was the last year he had any association with um, with uh, F one specifically. So like he stepped away as like a consultant. Uh, I think mm. I, I may have that wrong, but I I'm pretty sure 2021 was the last year that he was like specifically associated with like the Renault Alpine brand. I think he stepped away as a consultant. Uh, I may be wrong on that, but I I, I don't think I am. Uh, yeah, I just uh, Pierre getting his uh, five second penalty for being more than ten car lengths uh, behind the car in front yeah. of him during that safety car session, and you see the onboard and like the the car in front of him just takes off up the road. And yeah, of course they're like warming up their tires, and there's some leeway. Yeah. That car was like thirty car lengths in front of him. <laughs> like it was so yeah. egregious. Uh, uh, so I'm glad that he got that penalty, um, because these penalties have to matter, right? You can't have them not matter. Ooh, speaking of things mattering, uh, there was a, there were a bunch of posts on social media, uh, all zoomed in on Zhou Guan Yu's tire and, having it right next to a picture of Max Verstappen's tire when he was eliminated in uh, qualifying. So when Mm -hmm. Joe Guan Yu didn't make it to, I think it was Q3 for exceeding track limits, there's literally like a side-by-side picture where the Red Bull is clearly further over the line than the Alfa Romeo, and Max was allowed to continue on. Uh, and again, this is like that kind of like the court of public opinion is not going to relent it, un- until something yeah. is done. People are going to like nitpick at Red Bull so aggressively. And as they wit, they just won the constructors championship. Like P- they are now going to become the institution. So if they are not held to account, there's going to be a lot of negativity like uh, negativity and like nastiness that shows up uh like in the next couple of years in F1 and i just <sighs> i really hope the FIA realizes this they really they have to do something about it i mean I, I, um, we're very biased as hamilton fans cuz we we know if we're if we're honest the only thing that would make good sense would be to go back and remove championship points in the season that they cheated in. That's the only thing. Like if you if you if you are just like remove every all the circumstances around it. Remove all of the circumstances 
around the conditions that the end of the season held last year. You should just be able to say, if a team cheated and then won the championship that year, yeah, they sh- that shouldn't mean that they just like don't have to adhere to the rules. So like, let's say a team cheated that didn't win the championship that year. They should also be held to account. Like if if someone did something that like gave them an advantage in any way, shape, or form, they need to be penalized in like a very real preventative way, in a like scorched earth type of way of like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm gonna rub this I'm gonna rub this puppy's nose in its <laughs> so hard that none of you other dogs <laughs> here. None of you other dogs nah, even that's, think that's, about I mean, taking that's, it. that's the only way it works. Yeah. And even if it wasn't a championship that would be handed to Mercedes, to Lewis, right? I still think that the right thing to do would be to at least remove some championship points. Even if you nullified, okay? I'd be content if it nullified the championship. If you just made it so that they were level on points at the end of that year. Just to make it so that it's like, hey, we acknowledge that that was wrong. That like... We had human error that determined the final result of that all by itself. Wrong. Okay, sure. Well, mm, this is, this like gives us the chance. I'm going to make an analogy here, John, and it's a bad analogy, okay? I'm perfectly happy making this analogy, and I'll own it because it's real, real bad. All right. I like so, where this is going. Okay, okay. So, let me take a little sip of wine. <laughs> the fact, the fact that... O.J. Simpson got away with murdering two people, okay? He murdered two people. And then he broke in to someone else's hotel room to steal back his own memorabilia and then went to jail, okay? Like, yeah, yeah. if, If someone got away with something, okay, if they got away with something, we don't do the double jeopardy thing, right? But at the very least, if, like, they mess up again, we need to be like, okay, hey, <laughs> you got away with something before. We're going to throw the book at you so hard that you realize, like, you can't get away with anything. And none of the mm-hmm. rest of you can get away with anything. Right? Like, there hasn't been anybody else who is double murdered and gotten away with it. Right. Um, I'm not saying that like OJ's example, this example or this analogy works perfectly, but it kind of works perfectly because we also have not had. Right. We had who? Aaron Hernandez, the New England Patriot. That man murdered someone. That man murdered someone and went to jail. And he's Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that, you know, he had issues and bad and the results. I'm not saying that like the results of that man's life are like but i'm just saying oj should have gone to jail and i'm glad he went to jail okay um red bull should be penalized and i will be glad when they're penalized and i think that like a lot of f1 fandom will be like you know what it's not what we wanted but hey somebody's got to be held to the fire. I'm going to float yeah. something out there. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot. I know. I'm sorry. That was a lot. I think I think it's time for us to start taking a moment. All of us to start taking a moment mm-hmm. to reflect on the fact that this whole cost cap debacle is yeah. really more than anything else just an extension of the trauma <laughs> received at Abu Dhabi in in 2021 and it it's is. just it's unhealthy yeah this this needs to be tied up they need to solve <sighs> this get it situated and and move on because i think it's <sighs> i think it's now becoming disrespectful to the, yeah. the families involved with by that i mean you and i uh and <laughs> it's it's unfair yeah. that we yeah. should have to you know go through this much yeah. uh, much longer all right uh <sighs> i want to turn the corner to some of the the fluffy bs oh you want to get away from oj murdering nicole brown simpson yes and that poor man okay yeah yeah okay yeah we could get away from that yeah i want to turn uh i want to turn a corner um uh shaq's appearance in the the you know car that looked like flintstones the burning man exhibition um yeah made my made my mom outwardly say this is a disgrace to this dignified sport i was like mom jesus mom you seem really upset about that but she's (laughs) she is a she is a woman who carries herself with a certain level of elegance and uh, yes uh, sarah is a dignified woman yes while while being you know maybe is not a hardcore formula one fan as you or i she has principles and she didn't she didn't appreciate that uh, and I'll, I'll just i'll just leave that one there um uh, it's so uh, this was i i, I we have to i i wanna man i kind of want to like just do a little um hmm, maybe I'll, I'll i'll tweet out just the set the just the pictures of Shaq uh in his various iterations of like being an f1 fan and like his stunts that he's done because he's like done stunts every year when he when he goes to the to the Grand yeah. Prix, so yeah, yeah uh, that's it just he's so stupid, and I love it, I love it, but it is yeah fully a disgrace um, to everything, to everything yeah, but mostly the dignified sport of Formula One is definitely a massive disgrace. Uh, uh, uh let's see. Uh, there was, you know, uh, as you might expect, all sorts of, uh, celebrities and shenanigans and whatnot. Um, but, Mm -hmm. uh, a whole bunch of them circling around this one specific thing that I've been super fascinated with, which is that, uh, uh, there is a formula one film Mm -hmm. That is in, as the best I can tell, very early stages of pre-production right now. The film will star Brad Pitt, who was at the race. 
It is being directed by Joseph Kaczynski. They, they, who... they couldn't stop showing. Yeah, Brad yeah. They, Pitt. Oh no, it was nonstop. Like, Brad Pitt around the clock. It was like, where's Waldo? Is... Like it was so Brad, aggressive. Brad Pitt's I... here. Brad Pitt's in this garage. Brad Pitt's in that. Garage. Brad Pitt's in the Brad pit Pitt's... lane. And the... oh, yeah, he's oh, taking yeah. a lap with yeah. uh, with with Charles Leclerc. He's you know and and all this yeah. stuff. So. I can appreciate yeah. everyone's general irritation with that, but to me, yeah. yeah, I'm excited because it's not it's not that Brad Pitt's there. It's that Brad Pitt is there with Joseph Kaczynski, who will be directing mm-hmm. this Formula One movie, director of Top Gun Maverick, the the most uh, gigantic movie of the year 2022. Yeah. Uh, they were and and you know they never when Brad Pitt's on the screen, they're never calling out the other people that are there with him. But he's there with Joseph Kaczynski. Mm-hmm. He's there with Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah, just the most Legendary. terrified, terrified-looking Jerry Bruckheimer. I just yeah. love seeing him outside of his element, which is like an office or like the bowels of no, a Now, that dude somewhere. is... That, that dude, I mean, like, yeah, oh. I mean, it should say something to you that if this guy's having a visceral reaction to Formula One cars, this is a guy who's probably like done more cocaine than there is in the world. And, uh, <laughs> actually, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm confusing him with another another uh, famous film producer, Jerry Bruckheimer, <laughs> legendary producer, made all sorts of insane, uh, wild stuff. Um, like the running away from an explosion trope that everyone is like the, the walking, we wouldn't, or, we wouldn't have that in our, in our yeah. lives. If not yeah. for, if Jerry, Jerry Bruckheimer wasn't as talented as he is. And he, he is, he is. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll make fun of how scared he looked in that pit lane, uh, or in like the Ferrari garage. I think he was just like, ah, ah, and like a camera would like zoom in on Brad and like, he'd like, He's clearly got that producer energy of like, nobody wants to film me. I'll just scoot out of the way and let them film Brad. I'll like not look at the camera uh, because no one wants to look at me. They want to look at this handsome leading man. Yeah, but uh, Jer- seeing Jerry was there. <sighs> this, yeah. Uh, also also crazy. joined by uh, Tim Cook, who is mm-hmm. you know running the biggest company on earth. Uh, he's there along with that whole entourage because yeah. Apple is the studio that will effectively be releasing this Formula One film. Uh, and then also alongside Tim Cook, if you're like a technology geek, you would recognize Eddie Q, who's a super high-level Apple executive who also happens to be on the board of directors for Ferrari as mm. a brand as a whole. And so, yeah. so uh, uh, Elkin, th- John Elkin, the, the the president of Ferrari, we saw he was there uh, again yep. this this weekend. Uh, so, um, whenever Bob that dude shows Iger. up, Bob, Bob Iger yeah. was there, president yeah. of a uh, former president of Disney in general, or CEO of Disney. Um, so, yeah. all right, so Brad, Brad Pitt and this squad, they're there, they're making their Formula One film, and it's safe to assume that they're there to gather inspiration, and whatnot. Uh, but from what I understand, they were having high-level meetings with Stefano Domenicali and a whole bunch of other figures in the sport to talk about planning this film that they are making, which they uh, apparently 
uh, light has been shined on this that their intent is that they are going to film significant sequences within the film at Formula One races in the second half of next season. It sounds about and right. And that not just so that they can be there at a Formula One race, but because they want to actively include in their film specific teams, mm-hmm. real world drivers, all of the sponsors mm-hmm. and everything that's associated with that, which um, you know, could could of course be a, a cornball disaster or could be, you know, another another factor that helps to just further the general presence of this sport and to me it's just super fascinating that like we like there was literally mentioned that like every driver in the on the grid will appear in the film in some capacity yeah. Yeah. which is which is fascinating to uh to me and and makes me wonder does that mean that like in between you know practice sessions does that mean that there's gonna be uh, a bunch of mock cars out on track with cameras affixed to them. And like, you know, anyone in attendance of a Grand Prix will also basically be on like a live, you know, studio set yeah. as, as major yeah. production is unfolding. And and again, reflecting on uh, the film Top Gun, which is super notable for the fact that they filmed a lot of their flight sequences a hundred percent for real, completely practically. Yeah. They found ways to build super compact IMAX camera rigs that would fit within the cockpits of these vehicles, uh, or within yeah. the co- the cockpits of these airplanes, so that they could see the actors' faces with like real G forces applied to them and whatnot. Gets me yeah. as a as a F one geek and as a film geek to my core. Uh, gets me very excited for what they could be producing and just slightly nervous for the you know horrific disaster that it could be if it doesn't I all mean, go according to plan it's it's that like they need to thread one needle with a thousand pieces of like just very difficult to uh <laughs> to hold pieces of thread uh there it's going to be very very hard one of the reasons why i'm sure you're saying it could be a disaster is the idea of like too many cooks uh when any Mm. brand gets involved with a movie when any brand at all any brand whatsoever gets involved with a movie there are so many things that go into consideration the people who run that brand the advertising agency the people who sit on the board of directors all end up becoming cooks in that kitchen for just one brand as someone who's a commercial actor someone who has like done things with like real brands for uh, film and television, it is one of the most bizarre scenarios because you've got wildly uncreative people who are like, oh, this is my chance to like dabble in my in like creativity. Uh, or this is like my chance to be in it. So just one brand. Think about any F1 car. What yeah. the first thing you think about what are all those stickers? What are all those names? All of those names are yeah. brands, folks. 
all of those names, every single one of them. And each one of those brands has its own marketing company, uh, or sorry, has its own marketing department, which also has its own advertising subcontracted agency, which then and all has, of those and, people, and they and all of them have legal yes. departments. Yeah, and all of yeah, them have legal a... departments, and half of them have production companies that they started for yeah. their own brands, which will then have to be associated with this. So if you're going to include even one F1 I'm, team. That's like at least I'm, ten brands. I'm optimistic. I'm op- <laughs> I'm optimistic because oh, yeah. because yeah. It, I'm I'm with you a hundred percent. But I also think Drive to Survive, which has been a a yes. cash cow for the sport, has been predicated on it's a it's a very clear, direct, and honest view of. Uh, I mean, to some yeah. extent, but it's it yeah, it yeah. is they don't shy away from showing the teams the brands the drivers in a negative light like it's it's they, exactly. they put a lot they put a lot out there so well they seem uh, um, they seem to do it in like a neutral light versus like a negative mm-hmm. or a positive they're just like hey this is a necessary thing they don't even say like necessary evil right they're just like this is it's necessary yeah. to have corporate sponsorship right um yeah so there's i i agree i'm optimistic too john but i'm just also uh, realistic and 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 you you know just as well as i do what it looks like when you get too many cooks in the kitchen especially when you get people who aren't necessarily creative who then all of a sudden yeah. have access to like what i can i can do anything you'll make anything mm-hmm. come to life and it's like no oh no that's oh that wasn't the green light that you thought it was okay well i guess Let's go. Uh, and then one pre-production meeting turns into like months of pre-production meetings and too many people involved with that. All right. We don't need to get into the deep right, into la- this. We've last, already gone last, so long in the podcast. La- yeah. yeah, la- yeah. Last thing that I'll touch on as an extension of that, uh, Tim mm-hmm. Cook, uh, president of Apple, uh, the biggest company oh. on earth, uh, is invited yeah. to wave the checkered flag at the race and they showed him that like wave. up in the stand. We got to put that wave in like the scariest of scare quotes. Uh, like the yeah, biggest scare set of scare quotes. Scare quotes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, all right. So there's a, there is a gif that is overtaken Twitter. And I've literally seen it like retweeted from like ESPN being like, Tim Cook, oh, no. could you look any <sighs> less enthusiastic, you know, about this? And, uh, my, I, in in defense of Tim Cook, I think Tim Cook is a wonderful CEO. I think he mm-hmm. runs Apple with a tremendous amount of bravery. If anyone wants to talk smack about Tim Cook or his products, I will say this is a dude who stood yeah. up to, um, I believe it was the Secret Service. There mm-hmm. was some. Uh, there was some. There was a active shooter event, uh, and the uh, it was either the CIA or, or it may have been FBI. It may have been yeah, I think it was the FBI and maybe CIA. Oh, not FBI and had, Secret Service. Maybe. Had acquired the the iPhone of the shooter involved, and mm-hmm. it said, "You know, Apple, and we're looking at you, Tim Cook. Help us unlock this iPhone." And he said we can't do that. And that sounds like that sounds messed up. Why wouldn't you help us like 
arraign a nasty criminal who's harmed it a might bunch have of people. Even, like, it literally may have even been the Boston Marathon like no that. it wasn't it wasn't or, that it wasn't it was like it was it was, it was a something big scale yeah like mass, it was something mass big scale and they th- and happened. there was a lot of there was yeah. a lot of mud being slung in his direction around you know uh hey you know like wh- wh- why won't you help and he stood his ground and said like you don't understand if we help you with this then we will have to help everyone else but then when we start helping everyone else these tools that we use to pry into these things will get leaked out and anyone will have yeah. access to them and then no one will have a safe device and therefore we just can't trust you. And they still like went hard at him. And this is a tough, I mean, this is a oh, tough position yeah. to hold. And he held that position and basically told the FBI to kiss his, kiss his booty. And I give him, I mm-hmm. give him tremendous props for that. And I think that took balls of steel. And this is a long-winded way of me saying, "This guy's solid." Mm-hmm. When they showed him on camera <clears throat> waving this flag as though his arms were made out of spaghetti and and couldn't take it anymore, <laughs> um, it was it was like a full like lap and a half later like it was a lap and a half yeah. after the initial checkered flag and like when you wave the checkered flag you wave it vigorously and can you imagine yeah. waving a flag vigorously for like 45 seconds and then your muscles start burning and then you're like no no, no you got to wave that thing for another two and a half minutes yeah keep ripping yeah. that thing through the air like that's you know and i oh, and, and I, you're on camera i i, I suspect yeah. That that was where we found him, and that nobody like tapped him on the shoulder to be like, "Hey, the global feed mm-hmm. of this major sport is going to switch to you right now." They just were like, "You keep waving," and he was turning over and be like, "Can I stop waving it at this point?" No, 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 keep waving. Can I yeah. stop waving it? No, don't say that because you're on global television right now. I'm on yes. what? You know, like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's just... yes. Wait, what is that thing with the glass? That's a camera, Tim. Um, no, I, I think they did the same thing with Serena when she waved the flag. Like she had like stopped waving it, uh, and they were like, "Oh no, no, no! You have to keep going." And this is like a world champion tennis player, and she was like, "That was hard," because <laughs> uh, it's like you're waving this large thing that weighs a. You know, probably like a pound or two, uh, and uh, like you're standing over the side of a platform, so you can't like plant yourself and like really like sit into it and like dig into your hips and wave it. You have to like just use your upper body to wave it. That's a very unnatural thing to do. Uh, and also, I challenge any anyone to just put your arms out at like arm's length just straight out like you're a zombie and hold your arms out like that for two minutes see if you can actually do it and like recognize your arms will start to burn after about a minute even if you are someone who like is not tim cook who is not someone who is clearly like a brilliant man but an old i will say though the you know the the you know the expression on tim cook's face isn't helping he does look you know yeah he needed some enthusiasm. Just even if he was grimacing or being like, "Oh my god," like, <laughs> like hamming it up, but he didn't do any of that. Yeah. He just looked 
Like he could have been doing anything. Like it, like he could have been dusting. Like it, it, it there was nothing that mattered to him yeah. uh, in that moment. Uh, Tim Cook, props, I hope you're okay. Props, I hope props, yeah. props to Tim Cook. But yeah, you, yeah. you, you, you ended up clowning yourself pretty damn yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, so uh, before we wrap it up, we should uh, mention uh, that uh, Dieter passed like in between like free practice and qualifying. Um, so uh, Dieter Matterschitz, yep. uh, he's this brilliant businessman who basically uh, helped Red Bull become what it is today and not just like Red He's, Bull. He was one of like the founders of Red like Bull. the Red Bull energy drink, yeah. right? Yeah. We're not just talking like Red Bull racing or like the like the idea that Red Bull is involved in extreme sports. We're talking like this man and I think one other person uh like created Red Bull. Like he like found this guy mm-hmm. um somewhere in uh I believe in Southeast Asia who was like creating this like energy drink and he partnered with this guy, created it, brought it back to the UK and then got involved with everything. I mean, it is Red Bull is synonymous it's, with it's, like extreme sport. And uh, in Formula 1, I mean, it was a, a yeah. at the time a wildly bizarre thing that a energy drink is going mm-hmm. to start start a team. I'm sorry, you mean they're going to sponsor a team? No. Yeah. They're going to start a team. Uh yeah. and obviously the Red Bull Red Bull Racing has left a uh unmistakable mark on the sport that'll that'll last long beyond and it sounds like a lot of that, you know, that spirit, that fire, that uh notion of, you know, these very aggressive and ambitious moves descended directly from 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 him and and his guidance yeah yeah which it's it's a shame it's a shame that he's he's gone but it seemed as though the way that everyone was honoring him uh and will probably continue to honor him was like he would want nothing more than for us to just be able to race like and mm-hmm. I do believe that. Yeah, I, I appreciated that yeah. they did the exact opposite of a moment of silence for him. Yeah. And yeah. it was it was described as though in the in the Red Bull garage they were, you know, they weren't somber. They were like blasting his favorite music. The Red Bull garage is known yeah. for always having uh, like like irritating all the adjacent teams with obnoxiously loud, you know, Euro trash techno blasting at all hours. Yeah. And uh, to, to hear that they were doing that, you know, in his honor today uh, sounded very appropriate. It was really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, and he literally F1 would not look the way it does today without that man. He, he literally founded two teams that are in F1 today. Uh, so he mm-hmm. founded uh, Alpha Tauri and Red Bull Racing. Uh, it was Scuderia Tor- uh, Toro Rosso back in the day, um, but he founded both of those uh, both of those companies that have both won Grand Prix and have produced literal Grand Prix winners and world champions. Uh, I mean, Sebastian Vettel would not have been in F one if. Uh, if it weren't for Dieter. Um, I mean, he would have been eventually, but he wouldn't have had the career that he did. Max Verstappen, uh, Pierre Gasly, Carlos Sainz, 
uh, like literally, like mm-hmm. every person in F one has been touched by uh, this man's influence, and it's a shame that he's gone, and it sucks. Uh, and I know that we both kind of give Red Bull a lot of guff, but that that we are so so thankful for that man's existence uh, because he's made the sport that we love what it is today. Uh, so uh, he will be missed. Yep. Uh, and yeah, uh, I think. In honor of him, uh, we should we should end this with like a positive note. Do you think that uh, F one stock went uh, went up or down this this week in uh, in the U S, Johnny? Yeah, I think it was skyrocketing. Um, what I heard mm-hmm. was that uh, four hundred and forty thousand attendees at the United States Grand Prix, which I believe is the uh, highest level of attendance at any Formula One race ever. Uh, mm-hmm. More than la- last year, it was record breaking at four hundred thousand, and they yeah. exceeded that by ten percent, which is yeah. remarkable and a huge, you know, a huge statement. And so, you know, again, you know, lots of like almost every different aspect of everything that we talked about today, I think, contributes to. Uh, a continual upswell in in interest in the United States around the sport. Yeah, and I think it's this is a, a indicative of where the sport is going. Uh, I think that the the stock is going to continue to climb. It climbed uh, so aggressively over the past week with all the fanfare. I think the race paid off. Uh, seeing Max have to come from behind. Uh, seeing Lewis almost win a race, mm-hmm. uh, seeing Vettel have another photo finish, seeing Alonso recover from uh, a near-death experience uh, to uh, ultimately, you know, he was pushed back, but he finished within the points. He climbed back through the field after suffering something that could have potentially killed him. So uh, it's just incredible, uh, an incredible race weekend. Uh, and just... I think, you know, the the Red Bull stuff, uh, the people yelling cheater, 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 uh, is not justified. I don't think it's right. I think it's awful. I think it makes us as fans in the U.S. look bad. We do look bad on the on the stage, y'all. Like, this matters. Uh, that is something that is going to be what people take away from the U.S. Grand Prix. So just know that, that we did kind of, like, screw ourselves on this. Uh, but it does... <laughs> Send a very clear I like message. A little, I like, I like, I like a I little, I, I like a little trashiness mixed I, in with my, uh, with my vegetables. You know, I do, but I just don't like the idea that I have to apologize <laughs> immediately for being a Formula One fan already, and now I have to be like, yeah, I'm a Formula One fan, and I'm from the U.S., but like, I've been a fan for a long, and I'm not part of that. I just like the sport. I, I, I like everyone. I think the messed up thing is that I've been so I've always felt so alienated as a fan of the sport and as an American yeah. that like I just see it as like they care. They yeah. care about it. Yeah. Fans fans in the United States they're they're following it. They're paying attention. They're they're excited yeah. or pissed off or or whatever. I'm I'm here for all of it. That's Yeah. Sorry. That's true. I'm I'm a no. I'm a simple man. I'm a simple I mean, man. I'm also simple and I kind of love a little bit of uh a little bit of stirring too. But hey, uh, that's fine. Um so Johnny, let's wrap it up. Sorry. 
I'm, I'm sorry, Corey. I, I just now came across a gift oh, no. of uh, Tim Cook waving the checkered <laughs> flag. And the caption, oh. the caption is, and, and it's funny because it's someone, uh, it's someone who I mm-hmm. follow who is not at all from uh, the, the racing fandom, but is just a, a technology, like me, a technology geek. And the mm-hmm. the uh, the 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 line is uh, with Tim Cook waving this flag like he can barely even uh, process this single this simple exercise. Uh, it is when you lied about your experience on your resume, but still landed the job, and that's <laughs> it's perfect. It's flawless. Oh, 10 out of 10. Yeah, it's, it's, no notes. That's good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Johnny, uh, let's 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 wrap it up. Let's wrap it up before yes. before because yes, yes. there's this is such a rabbit hole. Uh, where can the folks find you online? Uh, if if uh, hit like me up anytime on on Twitter, my handle's Johnny Motion. Uh, Corey, where can the folks find you? I am Burn Corey Burn on all the things, and we've got the F1 files on Twitter. And now the fact that this is becoming, oh, folks, it's becoming a video podcast. Oh, no. Um, uh, I think we're going to make an <laughs> F1 Files, uh, like a full-on F1 Files TikTok and a full-on F1 Files Instagram as well. So follow us there. Uh, I'm hoping that we'll get those handles, but who knows? <laughs> um, no one else seems to want them. Um, so we'll, we'll try. But yeah, follow follow me, Burn Corey Burn. Follow the F1 files everywhere it pops up on all the platforms and get ready for just an aggressive amount of video content, folks. It's happening. It's happening. All right. Well, we'll catch up with you the next time and you're going to catch up with us all the time now on <laughs> the F1 files. Uh, beautiful. <laughs>